Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together, we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. We are a reconciling congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message.
Brett Tobin Lindsay, and also a proud and grateful member of the Upworth community. The scripture reading for today comes from Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of God in heaven. For God makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing for others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as our heavenly God is perfect.
May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. I just uh, invite you, if you're able, to, to kind of move your feet, stomp them a little. All right. They're ordered. You ordered your steps. I just had to do that, and I, I could feel the hand clapping, and, uh, and I just wanted you to remember to order your steps. It is so good to be here. As I said earlier, I am Debbie Weatherspoon, and I'm usually, uh, when I'm not... Uh, um, helping out in pulpit supply at Easter Hill United Methodist Church in Richmond, where my husband Dale Weatherspoon is a senior pastor, and he asked me to send greetings to all of you from, from Easter Hill. Today, we launch a three Sunday sermon series title R E S P E C T Conversations in Complexity. Pastor Kristen will preach in the series next Sunday, and then I'll be back and close the series the following one. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Who can sing the next line of the song? Okay. <laughs> now, how many of you, any of you see the movie Respect where uh, Jennifer Hudson portrayed Aretha Franklin? I loved it. I thought it was wonderful. And I really thought Jennifer Hudson would win as best actress, which was the Queen of Soul's deepest desire. But, alas, they did not ask me to vote. <laughs> Speaking of voting, elections. Speaking of elections, love your enemies. <laughs> it's the most dangerous time of the year. Oh. It is a time where we're wondering what is going to happen on Tuesday. It is a time when we're asking, what's happening now? We just have one question. What is happening? I just came home from Western Jurisdiction Conference of the United Methodist Church. I was the observer, not the only one. There were a few others. We were observing people voting. Yeah, you're jealous, aren't you? That sounded about as exciting as watching paint dry, right? Yes, I was observing people trying to vote, <laughs> trying, attempting to elect three bishops. It took a long time to just get one election. And I'm sad to say that this process does not bring out the best in us, yet it desperately needs it. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what it means to me. Respect is a core value to me. It's one I hope to experience. From driving on the freeway, I know, a girl can dream, to customer service, remember that, to interactions within my family. It's what I've expected from my husband and two sons. Along with expectations of respect comes a whole lot of other stuff, just like what exactly does it mean to me, to you, within our family mores, within our Christian values, our cultural practices. Body language and eye contact and personal space are among the ways we may experience respect and interpret 
disrespect, completely unrelated to the other's intention. A colleague of mine, also a clergy mom, said that she received feedback from her congregation, not directly, of course, <laughs> through a consultant, that the congregation believed she was glaring at them when she was at the pulpit. She couldn't figure out what they meant until she realized the next Sunday when her daughter and other youth were um, in the front pews and weren't exactly being respectful, and she caught herself glaring. And I said, oh, you were parenting from the pulpit. I know it well. <laughs> she did not intend to have the impact that it had on the other congregants. Concepts of time across cultures are also a challenging sense of respect. I noticed this when I did volunteer work in Nicaragua. I was there for three months, and I got to know this community, and we had volunteers come in and out from, from the United States, and a woman came from Michigan, and she just did not understand why the meeting was not starting on the time that they said it would start. And during that time, I learned the difference between ahora and ahorita. Ahora, which you might know from your Spanish, is now. But it's now. You know, kind of the Kairos time of now. And then there's ahorita, like right now. So I knew, I had learned, and she was learning as she went along. Unintended consequences can be just as frustrating as intended one, because you get hurt. In the moment, in the feelings of the experience, for various reasons, we may go from she's wrong and that's stupid, and can you believe him, from zero to 60 in three seconds. <laughs> and from where we're sitting, from our point of view, from our perspective, we've possibly been disrespected, annoyed, humiliated, and we might react. We might draw conclusions. We might get what some refer to as a fixed mindset rather than a growth one. But sometimes, sometimes we manage not to get stuck there. The first reaction does not have to be the final response. You may have heard that a small group of us met together weekly this year during the season of Lent to learn some communication tools for divided times. We met in the youth room here at Epworth to participate in a program of Just Faith Ministries. Our book resources were Crucial Conversations, this is the third edition, somehow that mattered, and these the Crucial Conversations, Tools for Talking When Stakes Are High. And the other resource we had was the Compassion Book. And these are lessons from the Compassion Courses. And we had the, the book, the Holy Bible. We had additional articles, videos, and liturgy, and meditations as well. We learned from one another. And we learned together. R-E-S-P-E-C-T does indeed 
involve learning what it means to me and learning what it means to the other. And it helps to ground that in love. I want to share again our scripture, but from the Common English Bible translation. You must love your neighbor. You have heard it that it was said, you must love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I, Jesus speaking here, say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who harass you so that you will be acting as children of your Father who is in heaven. He makes the sun rise on both the evil and the good and sends rain on both the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love only those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, just as your heavenly Father is complete in showing love to everyone, so also must you be complete. Complete. To be complete in showing love to everyone. This is what Jesus wants for us. Jesus calls us to this. This is the desire sometimes interpreted as bliss, enlightenment, wholeness. It is that peace which surpasses all understanding, all possible ideas of what peace is. It's beyond anything we can imagine. If we were to come into our fullness, it is where we are complete. It is in love. In chapter one of the Compassion book, Tom Bond writes, everything we've ever done, everything any human has ever done or will ever do is an attempt to meet a need or needs, successfully or not. All human acts can be seen as an attempt to meet needs, is what he says. What do you think of that? Everything we've ever done, everything any human has ever done or will ever do is an attempt to meet a need or needs. If you think there's some truth in that, what does that mean to you? If you think about this and consider it as truthful, what difference could it possibly make in your life? If you were to take on a spiritual practice of loving your enemies, ah yes, the word enemy. Another word to think about what it means to me and to the other. And this is where I think small groups and Bible studies can do their best work by giving us space to dive into the text and to be clear that it is not a call to stay in a toxic relationship or to suffer abuse. In our small group, we broke into pairs. Partner one shared an incident that happened in their life that, and I love the way this is phrased, generated some emotional heat. <laughs> Partner two practiced sinking into the heart space and empathizing with partner one. Em 
wait, what's the word? Empathizing with their experience. Using a formula. And here's, here's the question. Are you feeling blank? And in this handy dandy workbook, we had a list of feelings. And if you're interested in it, you can go to the website, compassioncourse.org, and then it's slash feelings, PDF, point PDF. So are you feeling, and then the part, other partner named a feeling from the list. And then the next question was, are you feeling because you need more? And then there's another list, the compassioncourse.org slash needs.pdf. The exercise is to keep guessing until the needs and feelings named resonated with partner one. In other words, giving them time to think, hmm, is that what I'm feeling? Is that what I need? Until you find some connection. What is noted from the author is that this exercise may feel uncomfortable because, because the empathy language used may be awkward compared to how we usually speak. However, Using this language as part of our internal dialogue helps us, it informs us, and helps us become the way we want to become and what we, how we choose what we want to say. Practicing it aloud will help us generate empathetic responses more quickly and naturally. So what's going on within us when an incident generates some emotional heat. Are you, like me, probably feeling hurt because you need more respect? Are you feeling, and you, I could name a feeling from the list, and is it because of a need? Well, if you are interested, I'd like to invite you to take a moment. I invite you to close your eyes or whatever will help you focus. And consider an incident that generated some emotional heat for you. And if you will, allow your inner voice, perhaps God, perhaps Jesus, ask you, are you feeling, and here I'm reading from the list. Are you feeling agitated? Because you need, and I'll read from the list, acceptance. Are you feeling Fearful. Because you need compassion. Are you feeling agony? Because you need equanimity. 
I'll pause there. Perhaps something resonated with you. Perhaps this needs more reflection later in the day. I invite you back to be here now. I know you're wondering, but what do we say to Nancy Pelosi? What do we say to Paul Pelosi? What do we say to Eric Swalwell? What do we say to all those members of Congress who don't have the security guards to protect them from their enemies? What do we say to election poll workers whose lives are threatened and too many others whose enemies are constantly, constantly in their lives, if not actually attacking them and their family? God, in your mercy, we need our ESPECT again. We have power in our voice and in our vote, and it's going to take some intentional love to keep living into being complete. May we do that which is ours to do. And borrowing from Buddhism, and if you'd like to place your hand on your heart, may I be happy. May I be healthy. May I be safe. May I live with ease. And from Jesus, may we be complete. Amen. You've been listening to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online connect card at Epworth.org. 
amberberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week. Amber called her uncle, said, we're up here for the holiday. Jane and I were having solstice, now we need a place to stay. And her Christ loving uncle watched his wife hang Mary on a tree. He watched his song hang candy canes all made with red dye number three. He told his niece it's Christmas Eve, I know our life is not your style. She said, Christmas is like solstice and we miss you and it's been a while. So the Christians and the pagans sat together at the table, finding faith and common ground the best that they were able. Just before the meal was served, hands were held and prayers were said, sending hope for peace on earth and all their gods and goddesses. The food was great, the tree plugged in, the meal had gone without a hitch. Timmy turned to Amber and said, Is it true that you're a witch? His mom jumped up and said, The pies are burning, and she hit the kitchen. It was Jane who spoke, she said, It's true, your cousin is not a Christian. But we love trees, we love the snow, the friends we have, the world we share. We find magic from your God, and we find magic everywhere. So the Christians and the pagans sat together at the table, finding faith and common ground the best that they were able. Where does magic come from? I think magic's in the learning. Cause now when Christians sit with pagans, only pumpkin pies are burning. When Amber tried to do the dishes, her aunt said, really, no, don't bother. Amber's uncle saw how Amber looked like Tim and like her father. He thought about his brother, how they hadn't spoken in a year. He thought he'd call him up and say, it's Christmas and your daughter's here. He thought father's sons and brothers saw his own son tug his sleeve, saying, can I be a pagan? Dad said, we'll discuss it when they leave. So the Christians and the pagans sat together at the table, finding faith and common ground as best as they were able. Lighting trees in darkness, learning new ways from the old, and making sense of history and drawing warmth out of the cold.